Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giants of the Faith podcast. My name is Robert Daniels and I'm the host of this show. This is the podcast where we focus on individuals from the age of the church who've lived out their faith in a unique or interesting way. These are people who are giants in the history of Christendom, and each has earned a spot in my personal Christian Hall of Fame. In this episode, we will conclude our survey of the life of Huldred Zwingli, the Swiss reformer. When we left off last episode, Zwingli had begun to question church doctrine, participated in the famous sausage supper, secretly married a woman while still a priest, and resigned his position as priest and taken up the charge as the evangelical pastor in Zurich's largest church. We'll pick up the story there as Zwingli continued to work to tear down extra-biblical traditions. Zurich was still officially a Catholic city, even though it now had a non-Catholic evangelical pastor in its grand church. Under pressure from the other members of the Swiss Confederation to cease all non-Catholic teaching, the city council called a meeting for January 29, 1523, of all the local and surrounding clergy. The Bishop of Constance was invited to present his side, and Zwingli to present his. Over 600 people were in attendance in what became known as the First Disputation. Zwingli had written up his position in 67 Theses, where he rejected Catholic doctrines like forced fasting, purgatory, mass, celibacy of the clergy, and the role of the priest as mediator. The bishop sent Johann Faber as his representative, but he was instructed not to debate high theology in front of the layman, but rather to insist on the necessity of the church structures and their authority in spiritual matters. He gave very little detail to back up his argument. When a vote was taken, the council sided with Zwingli. He was allowed to continue as pastor, and all the other local priests were instructed to teach only from the Bible. Later that same year, Leo Judd, Zwingli's good friend and colleague, called for the removal of all icons and statues from the city. This led to the city council calling for a second meeting, known as the Second Disputation, on October 26, 1523. This time, members of the public were also invited, and there were over 900 souls present. The Catholic Church, however, did not send a representative. The discussion and disagreement had expanded to include not just icons and statues, but also the Eucharist. On the one side, you had the traditionalists that believed that the bread and wine of the Eucharist actually become the body and blood of Christ, and on the other, you had Zwingli, who said that it was simply a matter of commemorating Christ's sacrifice, and that the bread and wine were just bread and wine. In the end, the council could not decide whether it even had the authority to make changes it was considering, and it sort of punted. They stated that pastors should preach on the controversy, only under threat of punishment, with the idea that support for removing the icons would grow and they'd organically be removed in the future. Zwingli then wrote his book, Short Christian Introduction, detailing the duties of a minister, and copies of it were sent to all the local clergy. A deadline on making any more solid decisions was set for Pentecost the next year. The Reformation in Zurich really began to gather steam after the Second Disputation. Many of the Catholic traditions around Lent, relics, and festivals began to be ignored, the primary opponent to the Reformation, Conrad Hoffman, left the city, and then clerical opposition disintegrated. The Bishop of Constance made a last-ditch effort to save the Mass, but Zwingli's eloquent response and appeal to the city council resulted in a dissolution of relations between the city and the diocese. In 1524, Zwingli finally publicly married his bride, Anna, 
after two years of living together in secrecy. Zwingli was the first reformer to marry, and the event sent shockwaves to the Reformation community. Eventually, the Zwinglis had four additional children, two boys and two girls. By 1525, pastors all around Zurich were abandoning the Mass and holding services as they saw fit. Zwingli published another book of instructions on how to practice communion. On April 13, 1525, Maundy Thursday, Zwingli held communion under the new method. Celebrants sat at dining tables and used regular wooden dishes in order to emphasize the commemorative meal aspect of the service. Zwingli preached a sermon, and the service was well received. With the Reformation going at full blow, Zwingli began pushing for the dissolution of the remaining monasteries and convents in the city. He convinced the city council to convert them to hospitals and used their funding to support the poor. He also opened a Latin school that summer and served as one of the school's instructors. Zwingli and others began to work on translating the Bible to German, building on the work that Luther had begun. But all was not well in Reform Zurich. The issue of infant baptism was a sore point for many reformers. A faction called the Anabaptists, led by Conrad Grable, wanted the freedom to baptize adults rather than infants. But the city council had decreed that any who did not have their children baptized had to leave the city. The Anabaptists disobeyed and met secretly, and on January 21, 1525, the first Anabaptist adult baptisms were performed. The city council eventually declared that anyone that baptized an adult was subject to execution. On January 5, 1527, the first of four Anabaptists was executed by drowning a particularly vindictive perversion of the Anabaptist beliefs. After this, the Anabaptists fled the city. In addition to the Anabaptist controversy, there was a growing rift between Zwingli and his followers and Martin Luther and his, again on the Eucharist. Zwingli, of course, still saw it as a commemorative action, while Luther believed in the bodily presence of Christ in the Eucharist. This was subtly different than the Catholic view that the bread literally became the body of Christ, but not different enough for Zwingli. Swingley posited that the body of Christ had ascended to heaven, and, though his spirit was omnipresent, his body was not. In 1528, German nobleman Philip of Hesse wanted to bring together the two factions and form a political alliance. He invited the two groups to Marburg to meet and discuss the situation in what became known as the Marburg Colloquy. Zwingli readily accepted. Luther reluctantly did. The two sides met in October 1529. Zwingli believed he'd be able to convince Luther of his position. He was wrong. The two sides came close, but could not work out an alliance without resolving the body and bread concern. Both sides left with hurt feelings and hardened hearts. Though Zwingli was saddened and said, There are no people on earth with whom I would rather be at one than the Wittenbergers. Back in Switzerland, there was internal strife in the Swiss Confederation. Some of the cantons had gone full-on Reformation, while others remained Catholic, and alliances had been formed along the two sides. Armed conflict had broken out in 1529, but all-out war had been avoided. But the two sides remained at odds. A Protestant food blockade forced the hand of the Catholic cities, and on October 9, 1531, the Catholics surprise attacked the Protestants with a force of about 8,000 men. Zurich raised a hasty defense force of somewhere between 2,000 and 3,500, and the two sides met in battle on October 11th. Zwingli and several other city leaders and pastors were in the army, not as chaplains, but as soldiers. Unfortunately for them, 
the battle was a swift and decisive victory for the Catholics. The Protestants suffered over 500 casualties in just one hour of fighting. Zwingli was among the dead, and he died with his sword in his hand. He was only 47 years old. In the aftermath of the battle and subsequent fights, a peace was formed. Reformed cities were allowed to remain reformed, but the spread of the Reformation was stopped, at least for a while. Eventually, two more civil wars were fought, and the Protestants finally gained the upper hand via the Toggenberg War in the 18th century. Meanwhile, men like Heinrich Bullinger and John Calvin picked up the torch of the Reformation in Switzerland. God willing, we'll learn more about these two men in future episodes. Swingley's reputation is often overshadowed by Luther and Calvin, but he was an important figure in the Reformation nonetheless. Thanks for listening and subscribing to this podcast. My hope and prayer is that it enriches your Christian walk in some way, just as it has enriched mine. It strengthens my faith to learn the stories of these men and women that have lived out their own faith in such bold ways. They are none of them perfect, but they are exemplary. Until next time, God bless.